UAB MedCast is an ongoing medical education podcast. The UAB Division of Continuing Education designates that each episode of this enduring material is worth a maximum of .25 AMA PRA Category 1 credit. To collect credit, please visit uabmedicine.org slash medcast and complete the episode's post-test. Welcome to UAB MedCast, a continuing education podcast for medical professionals. Bringing knowledge to your world. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome. Today we're talking about Crohn's disease and colitis. My guests in this panel-style discussion are Dr. Chad Bursky. He's a gastroenterologist and an assistant professor, and Dr. Melanie Morris. She's a colorectal surgeon and an associate professor, and they're both at UAB Medicine. Doctors, thank you so much for joining us today. Dr. Bursky, I'd like to start with you. Please tell us about the current state of Crohn's and colitis. What is the prevalence, and what do you feel is different about what we know about these diseases now than, say, we knew 20 years ago? Well, thank you for asking me to be on um, uh, to talk about inflammatory bowel disease, uh, both Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. Uh, the prevalence of uh, inflammatory bowel disease has probably increased over the past uh, few years, and that may be attributed to uh, people living longer. Uh, but the prevalence, at least for ulcerative colitis, is about uh, somewhere between 200, 250 cases per 100,000 years, uh, person years, that is, or, uh, and Crohn's disease is somewhere probably in the 175 to 200 uh, cases per 100,000 person years. Um, sometimes there is uh, some graphical variation with that, and over time, like I said, those numbers have seemed to increase, but uh, that may be attributed to uh, folks living, uh, living longer with a longer life expectancy. Dr. Morris, I introduced you as a colorectal surgeon. Dr. Bursky is a gastroenterologist. What kinds of physicians are treating IBD these days? Yeah, thank you for that question. It's really an honor to be here today and discuss these inflammatory bowel diseases. Um, so certainly gastroenterologists and surgeons, especially colorectal surgeons, work very closely together in managing these patients. Usually patients first try medicines, which would be managed under the gastroenterologist. And as you asked earlier, there have been really a lot of advances in the medications that the gastroenterologists have to treat these patients. Many patients can be successfully managed with medications alone and may not need surgery. However, when either complications arise from Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis is not manageable with medications, then patients are referred to surgery. And colorectal surgeons really have expert special training in how to treat patients with inflammatory bowel disease. Dr. Bursky, as a patient would come to you, which physical findings are related to the severity of their inflammatory bowel disease, what are you looking for? Yeah, that's a fair question. So uh, it's not a single entity or a single sign or symptom that we're sort of looking for. It's uh, the use of uh, putting those uh, signs and symptoms uh, together. So um, oftentimes, depending on where that uh, their disease is located, can manifest differently. Uh, for example, uh, in somebody that has Crohn's that only involves their terminal ileum, uh, that may manifest as pain uh, in their right lower quadrant. Whereas if somebody has ulcerative colitis uh, that only involves the rectum, that may manifest more in um, urgency and rectal bleeding. Uh, so to, to find severity, that can um, 
uh, take into a lot of accounts not just bowel habits, uh, but how they're doing uh, systemically, how's their weight doing, how's their nutrition, how's their uh, energy level, um, and sort of how they're uh, how they're making it uh, from a systemic standpoint, whether fevers, uh, maybe an elevated white count, uh, or signs of other uh, active inflammatory uh, markers or measures. So not a single answer to that question. Uh, so you're often looking for multiple different symptoms or, or signs to put together to try to define that severity. Dr. Bursky, I'm going to stick with you for a second as we're talking about diagnostic criteria and diagnosis. Tell us about the role of lab testing and the role of imaging in the evaluation of inflammatory bowel diseases. Yeah, so again, uh, not a single um, a single lab uh, that will diagnose uh, Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. There are some markers that may uh, help you. Um, maybe that's uh, inflammatory markers, uh, not just uh, inflammatory markers that are specific uh, for inflammation, such as uh, an estimated uh, sedimentation rate or a uh, CRP, but sometimes that could be markers of uh, systemic uh, inflammation, such as a higher white count or a higher platelet count uh, or, or uh, markers like that. So as far as labs go, there's not a single lab that sort of diagnoses uh, inflammatory bowel disease, and so you have to take those into consideration. In regards to imaging, imaging can be uh, very, very helpful. Um, for example, uh, in folks with Crohn's disease uh, that involve the small bowel, uh, we often rely on imaging to try to help guide us with their uh, what the inflammation looks like and and uh, how much is involved um, compared to uh, just doing endoscopy alone uh, of the colon, where we can only see the colon and not the small bowel. And I would just like to add two things on that. Uh, one, while there aren't uh, specific inflammatory markers that are 100% uh, diagnostic, there is something called the Prometheus panel that I frequently find providers have not heard of that can help uh, determine if you the, the level of suspicion you have if a patient has Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. And this can be especially helpful um, in patients where the diagnosis is unclear. We also use that to sort of decide. Some patients, we can't tell if they have Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. They may have something we call inter- indeterminate colitis, and the, the Prometheus panel may be helpful. The other thing I wanted to add is that um, we tend to get CT scans on patients when they have abdominal pain, but we want to be cautious in these patients because many CT scans over time result in a lot of radiation to the patient. So that's when we think about things like MR enterography or other modalities. So I just want providers to be conscious of those two things. Dr. Morris, in your opinion, if there is a rise in these diseases, to what do you attribute this? Do you feel that overuse of antibiotics, or genetic predisposition, or sanitization. There's theories that abound. Do you have your own? Wow, what a great question that is. I mean, we all certainly wish we knew what caused Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, and there are a lot of theories out there, as you've pointed out. It's probably some combination of some genetic predisposition, some environmental factors, Um, I think the few things that we know may play a role that patients can help. We do know that patients who smoke uh, and have Crohn's disease have worse outcomes. Their disease is harder to manage. They're more likely to have recurrences. So we certainly suggest smoking cessation in all of our patients with Crohn's disease. There's also a lot of interesting research going on with the microbiome, so the, the bacteria that all live in our guts and play a role in health and wellness. 
Um, we're still learning what those what those bacteria mean. Um, but you asked the question about antibiotics, and so antibiotics certainly shift the bacteria that live in our colon. Um, and so I recommend that patients take probiotics. I don't see any harm in that. Um, and I, there, while there's no convincing evidence, it may sort of help. The other thing we do know is that when patients are under more stress, either, either physically or emotionally, their inflammatory bowel disease is worsened. So I frequently talk to my patients, too, about trying to find healthy ways to manage stress. What a great answer. And Dr. Bursky, speak about the role of colonoscopy. We're going to start to speak about treatments now. And so while you've talked about diagnostic criteria, speak about things like colonoscopy that would be more in your purview in the treatment of inflammatory bowel diseases. What treatments do you look to first? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So uh, when I think about colonoscopy, uh, obviously I think that colonoscopy is a very useful uh, tool to try to help define uh, patients' uh, disease process, whether that be at the time of original diagnosis or that uh, be at the time um, uh, to try to stage their response to therapy. But uh, the role of colonoscopy can be invaluable to try to determine whether somebody has ulcerative colitis versus uh, Crohn's disease. And we often uh, will rely on colonoscopy to help guide us, uh, not just for uh, that diagnosis, but also to, uh, to help us with uh, severity of their uh, disease process. Um, so in, in regards to defining therapy and sort of helping uh, guide therapy, um, those, those become uh, very, um, what's the right answer, very difficult to sort of uh, make as a uh, standard recommendation, and each individual patient uh, becomes uh, somewhat uh, tailored. But we often, uh, originally, we would uh, only have a couple drugs that would induce uh, remission, and those medications uh, the standard would have been steroids at the time. We now have the addition of our anti-TNF uh, medications such as infliximab or adalidumab uh, or sertilizumab that we are able to use not just as induction medicines but also as maintenance therapy. And so we often uh, turn to those uh, either uh, steroids or or anti-TNF alpha medications depending on the severity uh, to re- uh, induce remission. Uh, and once we're in a maintenance uh, situation, we have a few more options uh, where we can consider uh, thiopurine uh, metabol- uh, medications such as 6-mercaptopurine uh, or azathioprine. Um, or if we want to continue, uh, if we started with an anti-TNF, we would just continue with that medication. Uh, so the medication uh, uh, answer is often uh, tailored to that patient depending on their severity of disease and whether they have Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. And people that have ulcerative colitis, we do have an extra sort of uh, medication for induction with uh, um, salicylate medications um, or 5-ASA uh, medications that we uh, can use for induction and maintenance. And in people with mild to moderate disease, that would be the uh, therapy normally of choice uh, for the very uh, mild moderate UC patient that we think can get under control with topical 5-ASA uh, medications. And that's with the goal of maintaining that remission and improving the patient's quality of life, yes, because that is a whole big part of this goal. 
Yeah, that's a <laughs> yes, ma'am. That's a uh, fair sort of question. But yeah, I think ultimately the 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 goal of those medications is uh, number one priority priority is to improve the patient's uh, symptoms and their overall. Um, global feeling of health, uh, but also, you know, we look for other uh, surrogate markers of that, uh, and that would be, you know, improvement in their inflammatory markers, improvement in their fatigue, improvement in their uh, endoscopy as well, their, as well as their uh, pathological uh, diagnosis. So, uh, so, yeah, I think when we think about those medications, we want uh, complete remission from, um, from symptoms and as well as inflammation. Dr. Morris, What is the role of surgical interventions, and when does that role come into play for the patients? What would you like other providers to know if they're referring patients to you at UAB? When does that discussion take place in their process? Because this can be a very long disease, a lifelong process. When does some kind of an intervention come into play? Great. Thanks for that question. I'd like to address it for both the main disease processes. So for ulcerative colitis, Uh, it's a little uh, more clearly defined. So we know that ulcerative colitis only affects the colon and rectum and that we can cure patients with surgery by taking out the colon and rectum. Sometimes gastroenterologists will refer to this as failing medical management. We in surgery don't see it as failing because we actually have the opportunity to cure the patient. Um, And In general, if patients have ulcerative colitis, they end up having surgery because they've either failed their medical management, so they've tried all appropriate medical options and their colitis is not under control, um, or there's some contraindication for them taking further medications, or they come in where they are very sick and they've had sort of a toxic colitis event to where they cannot get better with any medications. Depending on how the patient presents, We take out the entire colon and rectum, and that may be done in one stage or two stages. And then depending on the specific patient, they may or may not be a candidate to have a what's called a J-pouch reconstruction where we create a new rectum and sew it down to their anus uh, so that they can eventually poop out of their bottom again. Again, some patients will not be a candidate for that and would have a permanent ostomy. Crohn's disease is different. We know we cannot cure Crohn's disease with surgery, so we need to be very careful only to operate when there are specific complications from Crohn's disease, such as a fistula or an abscess or a strictured area, Um, or uh, if a patient um, has a very small active inflammation strictured area, we may consider operating on that. But again, patients who have surgery for Crohn's disease are more likely to need more surgery in the future, and we need to be very cautious about preserving bowel length. So anytime we're talking about surgery for Crohn's disease, we need to make sure that the lesions that we see that are affected with Crohn's disease are consistent with the symptoms that the patient is having. So just abdominal pain alone is not an indication for surgery. There just has to be something that we see that we can fix and make better with Crohn's disease. What I'd like to add is I agree with Dr. Morrison. That's a great response. Um, I think from the gastroenterology or medicine side, I think it's very important to partner with our colorectal surgery colleagues um, uh, uh, quite frequently. And, and, and I guess I, I urge people to involve colorectal surgery uh, early and often um, in the setting of uh, trying to guide the right steps in therapy. Not always are we uh, asking colorectal surgery to operate. We're sort of asking the to get their input and get their their knowledge and their um, their expertise on uh, the options that are available, uh, not just from a surgical standpoint, uh, 
but from a planning standpoint, and I think that uh, Dr. Morris and her group, uh, we have a very strong working relationship, and I think it's important that uh, people in the community, if they have a colorectal surgeon that they can partner with, uh, that becomes very important for the longevity of the patient and the and uh, choosing of the right timing for surgery. Thanks, Chad. And they can always send them here to us, too. We're always happy to partner with anyone on these complicated patients. Dr. Bursky, I'd like to start with you for this wrap-up. Tell us some promising new therapies for medicational intervention. Where do you see this going on the horizon? As far as new therapies that have come out that uh, that we uh, use and uh, have deployed here at UAB, uh, I think the the Vetalizumab is a new biological therapy that's sort of specific and was developed to target uh, specifically the GI tract. Um, we are continuing to get new biologics uh, that become approved, uh, and as our experience grows, uh, we will continue to uh, work and uh, help uh, decide what, uh, what medication works best for the, the patient on an individual basis. So I guess at UAB, what are we, where are we going to try to help uh, 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 define and work towards a better overall health for our inflammatory bowel patients. The uh, UAB is working to develop a inflammatory bowel center uh, where we can partner with uh, our inflammatory bowel specialists as well as our colorectal specialists to uh, help patients navigate through this complicated disease and uh, help to uh, get them enrolled in uh, uh, trials if available at that time and uh, to help manage their uh, whole um, health care rather than uh, only their inflammatory bowel disease. Dr. Morris, last word to you. What do you see happening in the world of inflammatory bowel diseases, new therapies, new interventions? Where do you see it going and what is your best advice for other providers that are looking for referral? Yeah, thanks. Um, I think certainly, as I mentioned earlier, the microbiome is very promising. And I would say everyone should look forward to see what we learn uh, more about innovations in uh, the microbiome. And perhaps um, in the future, we will be treating that um, instead of the inflammation. Maybe the microbiome is is contributing to the inflammation. We don't know yet. Too early to say. Uh, I think a couple of things we're doing here on the surgical side that we're really excited about Um, One, we have an enhanced recovery pathway for patients that we started in 2015. Uh, It helps patients recover more quickly after surgery. It has decreased our length of stay without increasing any readmissions or complications, and patients are happier. Part of it involves pain control. Part of it involves early mobilization. Um, We're we're trying to use medicines that are not narcotics because we know that's just contributing to our opioid epidemic, so we use multimodal pain uh, management therapies and strategies. Uh, so our patients are really uh, getting good surgical care here. We also uh, employ many, many in minimally invasive techniques, including laparoscopic or robotic surgery whenever it's possible to treat these diseases. So I think minimizing the impact surgery can have on our patients' lives is important as we're trying to get them back to health and wellness. So we certainly wish we had cures for inflammatory bowel disease. We don't yet, um, but I think at UAB we're ahead of all the the most current treatment strategies, and we do partner really well with our gastroenterology colleagues to think about a whole care plan for these patients. 
Thank you both so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise in this very prevalent topic. A community physician can refer a patient to UAB Medicine by calling the MIST line at 1-800-UAB-MIST. You're listening to UAB MedCast. For more information on resources available at UAB Medicine, you can go to uabmedicine.org physician. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for joining us today.